Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running. <laughs> Andy, it happened. I had like a good like 50 episode run of doing it perfectly every time. <laughs> well, it has been it has been a good run. Yes. But, um, yeah. I felt that it was going awry even before yeah. you tripped up. There's just something about <laughs> your the forced enthusiasm or something like that. Uh, yeah. So let, let, let's step back and you try again. Okay, right? yeah, you cast a hex on me or something. <laughs> yeah. Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. There's the magic. Yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Wait, we're back. We're back. All right. All right. Sounds good. Um, cool. All right. So <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Um, so Andy, you told me before we got in the air that you had a question that you wanted to pose to me. I do. And this shouldn't come as a big surprise. At the end yeah. of the last episode, or sometime in the last episode, you hinted that you were cooking something up as far as your GM plans for 2023 go. And I yes. said I would ask you about it. And so that is what is happening right now, Chris. So prepared or not, I need to hear what your GMing goals are for the new year. Yes. We're well into February. We should have had this conversation a month and a half ago. But yeah, we're, we're still in still in Q1 of the Roll for Topic financial <laughs> financial calendar. So That's right. That's right. It's okay. Um, yeah, uh, I, my plan this, this year is, uh, this is something I've, I think I've talked about on the podcast and I've definitely talked with you about it a little bit, is I want to run a game for some neighborhood, neighborhood people, um, some okay. neighborhood adults. Adults. And the thought being that this would be other tired and weary parents who, after they get their kids down, they can kind of wander over and we can play for an hour or two, <laughs> hour yeah. or two some night. The thought being that everybody would sort of understand like the energy level and then also just the uh, scheduling should be a little bit easier because it'd be a bunch of bunch of people with younger kids. Um, so I'd likely be pulling from like my kids' classmates' parents for this right so i'm pretty excited about it because i know that there's a handful of people that are aware that i do this podcast i don't think they listen if you do listen and you are tapped to play in this game you have to tell me <laughs> so i can <laughs> i can temper what i say on the podcast but um yeah so the you know like they're aware that i'm you know into into these these games and stuff so that they and they've expressed interests either polite or earnest <laughs> earnest enough yeah. for me to ask them to to come play so that that is the genesis of the idea. That's sort of what I want to do this this year is try, try to get something going, you know, aim for a short-ish campaign rather than like just a one-shot uh, to try to actually get into something and uh, introduce a couple new people or maybe, you know, pick up people who have played, played other games and try to run them through um, whatever it is I do at the table. <laughs> yeah. Do you know their level of experience with RPGs? Yeah, so the there's there's two people in particular that I, I know I'm gonna <clears throat> know I'm going to invite, and they have experience with like video games, right? Is most of mm -hmm. their their stuff, and like maybe some D and D like way back in in the past. So not people who are like you know currently playing fifth edition every week, you know, in some sort yeah. of <laughs> some sort of you know long running group, anything like that. It would be people who are like more or less new, like they you know they're not going to have like dice ready to go or characters ready to go. So we'd starting from scratch and, and to be honest that's sort of the 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 sort of people that i really enjoy playing with because yeah. they're not bringing in a lot of preconceived notions about what role playing is to the table we can explore that and figure that out together so i like that yeah that sounds excellent and <laughs> would you play like at your house or someone's house or at the local game store or or what oh that's a good question i guess i've just been assuming to be my place right the thought like because if it's a bunch of people in the neighborhood it should be pretty easy to just you know kind of walk over yeah, yeah. We've, we've got a we've got a pretty good space for it um although yeah i don't know i mean we could there's there's lots of options at least for us you know the the place that um that we live too so i mean i could see a you know roving game too it's like yeah one one person hosts one week next person yeah. <laughs> hosts the next week or something like that 
what I'd be aiming for is almost the like the living room style of play. Have you done this before? Have you ever played a game? Uh, tell me a little bit um, more about what you mean. I feel like I've never seen this in popular culture, but I've I've now played this way a couple times where rather than sitting around like the kitchen table, you just sort of lounge in the, the living room, yeah. right? And play play that way, right? So you don't really even necessarily have like a table other than maybe the coffee table or something in between, <laughs> in between you. But it creates, it, I mean, it's much more like you're hanging out, right? And just sort of like telling the story. Whereas I think sitting down at like a table together can feel a little bit formal sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, that's the way we played. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I learned to play. And that's to this day what I feel the most comfortable with doing because, um, <laughs> you know, my friends would come over a couple times a week. We'd go in the basement and we'd sit on the floor oh, yeah. or on the couches. And yeah. um, as I got older and started playing, you know, with adults, sitting at a table felt really weird to me. I would say I still don't really love sitting at a table to play an RPG for whatever reason. Interesting. Yeah. When I'm, <laughs> when I'm GMing, I usually stand. Uh Oh. Yeah, there's just something about you know sitting at a table just doesn't quite feel I don't know it's quite feel right. But. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, now I want to see a bunch of um, middle aged <laughs> middle aged parents trying to sit down on the floor. <laughs> well, I was I yeah. was going to make that exact joke because yeah. as you age, it you know cra- you know sitting Indian style on the floor becomes less you know it takes you longer to get up and it's uh-huh. more you have to physically you know, use your hands to move your legs into position and things like that. that <laughs> yes, that was not the case when you were 13. So. Yeah, there would be pregame yoga before, <laughs> before <laughs> so we can all get in position. Right. Are you planning on a uh, let's play D&D probably has the easiest pitch mm-hmm. for people that maybe aren't super gamers, but have some kind of connection or maybe nostalgic memory of D&D. Yeah. It, knowing you, that might also, you know, not be the most thing you're most enthused about. So, mm-hmm. so tell me how you're picking a game and if you have one in mind. Yeah. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think, um, so I was chatting with, with a few other, other people about this a week or two ago and, you know, for various reasons, right? Like, you know, just look at the news right now. Like, running fifth edition isn't super exciting, right? If you sure. you've been paying attention to all the all the nonsense stuff that's going on. However, people who haven't been paying attention, it's like it's still just D and D, right? Like, it's still fifth edition. Like, yep. there's no, you know, and like, and we've talked about too on the podcast. Like, you can still play it and be mad, <laughs> mad about other stuff, for right? Sure. But yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm for sure not going to go out and buy like whatever the latest adventure, you know. The venture is from Wizards of the Coast and try to put that on the table. But yeah, I mean, it's like, it's tricky because like in my heart, it'd be fun to try Pathfinder, but also like if everybody just wants to play D&D, I mean, I could just tell them we're playing D&D and, and run Pathfinder rules or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I will, I'll probably end up running D&D, but the thought that I had was, and this is, this is the hook that I think might keep my interest so there's a new uh there's a new like vintage nerd store i'll call it like out um out nearby me called uh weird bird and um they carry like used tabletop games right Ooh. so like whenever someone wants to you know get rid of their tabletop collection right that you can sell it off to to these folks or whatever you're and gonna so have to start sending me regular photos of what they have in stock i know right I, yeah. there's nothing more fun than going through used games i think i know yeah so they they and i think we talked about this in the discord they had a, a copy of traveler recently that yeah. they had posted on their instagram page right it's like you know stuff like that where you're like you know you're not going to go find a used copy of traveler at 
Barnes and Nobles, right? Like you're going to have to go yeah. to, the, yeah. go to the weird niche, like record and, you know, like kind of quasi head shop that also sells, you know, used, used tabletop games. Um, but they posted recently, I think it was B4. It was like some, some old module from back in the AD&D days. And I just have this thought, like looking at it, like, what if, like, what if that's the way that I pick the game for what we're playing is based on like doing the thing that you used to do, which is go to a store and just sort of like see what they had yeah. had there and grab it, you know, grab it that way. It's like, you know, kind of cut out, cut out the internet from, <laughs> from the thing that it does best, you know, going to eBay or yeah. whatever to get the thing. But like, what if like, that's the way that we picked up whatever we were playing next is like, Oh, like I wandered by the used game store and saw this cool new module, right? This new module, right? <laughs> saw this old module and I grabbed it. And then we just, we just ran with that. That sounds delightful. That thought of like, okay, I'm going to wander into a store and kind of find, find the game that's presented to me based on like who, who found it in their basement to sell to <laughs> sell to yeah. the store, like has a certain amount of magic and mystery to it. Um, that I, I think that like would be very personally satisfying. And I, I imagine I could make any of those games at least fun. You know, any of those oh, modules yeah. fun at the table. Like there's probably some clunkers in there that I should avoid. Maybe yeah. I'll do it like a, a token bit of research just to make sure that I'm not getting, <laughs> getting like the, the worst, the worst module ever written. But <laughs> well, that sounds like a delightful pitch to me getting mm -hmm. an email with a photo of your tattered, you know, Mountain Dew stained traveler yeah. that you picked up saying, Hey guys, I just picked this amazing game up at the store. Do you guys want to get together every week and play like that? Yeah. That is the most appealing pitch I could possibly imagine <laughs> yes. for an RPG. The thing that I don't know is, if, is, is that an appealing pitch to GMs or is that an appealing pitch to someone that isn't like a regular, <laughs> regular player of these games? I yeah. would not conf confidently say it, it would be appealing to anyone other than me, but, uh, <laughs> so, but your, your research sample size of one, yeah. your co-host on an RPG GMing <laughs> podcast says that it would definitely work on him. So yeah, well, that's, uh, the, I mean, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to, to say is I have had perfectly fine success with saying we're going to play D and D, but we're going to use the pathfinder rules or we're hmm. going to play D and D, but we're going to use this rules called dungeon crawl classics to do it. No one cares. Mm -hmm. um, it It's great. It works fine. I have used that line a many a time over the last 20 years of my life. And no one has ever complained uh, so yeah, that like, oh, you said this was D&D, &D, but this is actually yeah. Dungeon Crawl Classics. Like, that's that's good to know. Yeah, because that was, that was one thing that has just been occurring to me. It's like, yeah, do I just tell them it's D&D, &D, right? Because it's sort of like, you know, it's it's the Kleenex problem, right? It's like, you yeah, know, well, that's yeah. actually a Kroger brand tissue. It's like, well, no, no one cares, right? It's <laughs> They may be excited about the words D&D, &D, but I promise you, your casual gamer neighbors do not actually want to play D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. To the extent that they want to come play with you, they want to have this kind of fun gamey experience that has a maybe a little bit of nostalgia baked into it. Mm -hmm. They they won't care. So yeah, those plans are starting to come together a little bit. Okay, well, let's see. We've been talking for like 20 minutes or so. Do you want to roll on the table and maybe have a short discussion about something? Or should yeah, we... listeners, we are going to roll on our table D10 table of topics to find out mm -hmm. what we're going to discuss. Okay, all right. Eight. All right, that was kind of I mean, no judgment. That was kind of a weak and subdued die roll. <laughs> okay. But I, I mean, I'll no, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me do it. So I have this very fancy, like, full desk mouse pad thing that, of course, okay. muffles, muffles everything, including cool dice sounds. That's okay. the problem. Yep. All right, okay. Ready? Yeah. Oh, much better. You're gonna say eight. <laughs> eight. Okay. Eight. Chris, the topic we will apparently be discussing is how do you incorporate the families and loved ones of PCs into your games. <laughs> 
by imprisoning them and yeah, putting by them in peril. Them off, yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, you know, joking aside, that's putting them in somewhat perilous situations is, is sort of a good way to incite some action <laughs> underneath the players. It is certainly a tired trope in every genre of, you know, in every in movies, books, etc. However, mm-hmm. it is effective and it works, mm-hmm. you know, to motivate PCs by having something bad happen to family or friends right yeah i think there's a there's an element of like you need you need the buy-in from the players on this too a little bit like there are particular loved ones in games that i played where if that person was killed off or otherwise harmed (laughs) harmed in a way that um you know like couldn't be fixed like i would have been mad in real life about it (laughs) yeah right um so there there is that element to it too so i think if you have have some buy-in there that's good Let's maybe take a step back, I guess. Do you try to always make sure that your players do have have those sorts of um, NPCs in their game? No, not mm. really. Okay. I like it when it happens, but the more D&D-ish the game is, the less likely that that sort of thing is going to be a, have a presence in my games. Mm-hmm. With games like Call of Cthulhu, like the game I'm running now, it feels, it somehow feels easier to incorporate, you know, ties to family and community. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because the setting is one that I can relate to personally more. So in my Call of Cthulhu game, this does matter that I'm running right now. This does matter. And there are some connections and there's some, um, there are some NPC friends I am deliberately trying to, you know, establish some bonds with. I can't really remember the last time this really happened in like a and ish type game that I ran, though. Yeah. I, d- I don't know why exactly. Um, I mean, I think the, the rules don't usually in in war game based fantasy fantasy games don't usually lend themselves well to to like doing anything interesting with them mechanically. Yeah. I think there's all sorts of ways you can make it pretty interesting mechanically if you just spent, you know, a couple minutes thinking about it, right? Like, even if yeah. it's as simple as like, a, oh, if you're in a town that's friendly to you, you get discounts at the store, right? Like, so there's yeah. <laughs> there's some reasons there. The premise of, you know, this D&D style fantasy that encompasses a lot more, obviously, than just D&D, it's kind of baked into the premise that almost by definition, you are outside of the communities and the worlds and the quote civilizations that you know normal people live in because Mm -hmm. you're adventurers yeah you're on you're outsiders right and so it feels like baked into the whole thing is this bias against creating ties you know back to real people Mm -hmm. and the way that DD type adventures play out i find it's hard to have a sense of like kind of a home base usually or Mm -hmm. like a hometown because, you know, in a lot, most of your D&D type games, I mean, you're like across the continent exploring the desert or the forest or whatever, you know, far from home. So, I mean, certainly you could run a D&D game that's like set in one location where your players develop ties to the people there and have family there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how many modules do you buy where that's a real easy premise to slot into it, right? Usually yeah. it's like, all right, you're you're at the top of the mountains of chaos, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. in one, you know, in a Cthulhu game, you know, the players have family, they have friends, and it's easy to imagine them writing letters or sending telegrams or phone calls or whatever it is to kind of maintain these relationships. But, you know, how do you do that with D&D type fantasy? So, mm-hmm. I mean, and this topic didn't say we had to talk about this only within the context of D&D fantasy, obviously. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's sort of the, I mean, like the, the trope of like everybody sort of being a loner who's, you know, 
town burned down, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like when yeah. they were little and they don't, they don't have any connection to anyone. It's like, yeah, but like most people in the real world, even if they've had almost everything taken from them in some way, like you end up finding a community somehow. Right. Like in novels are the same way, right? Like a novel that is just a loner going about their loner business, not making any connections to people like that's, that's not interesting either. I've had some success introducing like, Hey, here's, here's an NPC to care about. Um, like there's that trope of like, of like, you know, the, the random goblin you throw in the, the tavern being like the most interesting thing, thing in the yeah, world for sure. you know, to the players. Right. And I think it's cause like people are so, somewhat sort of yearning for, for some of those connections within the game, but yeah, you're right on. It's like, it's hard to like keep that moving forward throughout the game. Right. Because if it's just like, well, this is a person that you're sending money back to here and there. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if your backstory is whatever, I'm the son of, I'm the exiled son of the king. And mm-hmm. so that's an exciting family NPC relationship with the king and the queen stuff that mm-hmm. might come into play. But, but, you know, for most of us and presumably for most adventurers, you know, the relationships that they really value would be kind of boring in the way mm-hmm. they are boringly central to our lives today yeah what would it mean to incorporate like i have this brother that i'm really fond of who lives back in Waterdeep, a thousand miles to the west of here you know what mm-hmm. would that mean how would that be brought into the game into the game in a way that's interesting and not just like a you know a sentence in your character's biography yeah i mean i think it might give the give people like motivations right so if, if everybody in the party had some relatives somewhere else right like then you then you have ways to yeah i think incorporate that just as they're traveling around but i mean you're right like as soon as they go to the mountains of chaos or the the frost giants realm in the sky or you know whatever <laughs> it is right it's like well now you've removed sort of all those potential right, potential right. bonds you know unless they're along for the ride right it's so like one thought that i'm having is like you know what if what if some of those like family relationships were within the party too like mm-hmm. i don't know if i've ever played in a game where two of the players have been related. Hmm. Well, I mean, no, the players have been related. The characters have been, <laughs> have been right, related, right. right? Yeah. Played in plenty of games where the, the players are related. That is kind of an interesting thought to me. Like, you know, like what if your what if your party itself was made up of characters who were all from the same family? <laughs> yeah. There are some iterations of like fate, I think. Mm-hmm. that as part of the character creation process, you're writing kind of descriptive uh, facts about your character on your sheet and you hand you explicitly are instructed to hand your sheet to somebody else and they write something about you on your oh, sheet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Right? And you explicitly create at least one connection with at least one other PC. So whatever, I, I mm-hmm. saved so-and-so's life here or so-and-so is always nagging me to, you know, um, to, to do such and such. I can't really say that that is something that I've done a lot of my games. It does mm-hmm. seem like it has a lot of potential to be cool. Yeah, like the, the fifth edition example. Yeah, I mean, I think you do have to fight for it in a way that I think goes against the fiction a little bit because you become sort of like gods walking among, among men so quickly <laughs> in that game. Yeah. That's like these like these petty concerns of of your of family like are, are sort of beneath you because you are off trying to yeah, yeah, kill you know, Tiamat or whoever, yeah, whoever it is. Right. And that's like, that is not conducive towards changing diapers or, you know, sitting down for a family meal, you know, once, once a Sunday, right. Like, you know, those sorts of things that are a regular cadence in day-to-day life in the real, in the real world. Yeah. Right. And so like escapism is fine. Right. But like, I think there, there is something that maybe, um, maybe can be leaned on in these games that we, sounds like both you and I should probably do a little bit more of maybe to, to add some, some excitement to them. I mean, I'm glad that you brought up like Call of Cthulhu and like, like those, those, style of, like those games, I mean, 
does Call of Cthulhu explicitly have like the, um, like you have your symbol and do you have like a bond back to an NPC as well? Or is this just in... Call of Cthulhu has on the character sheet, you know, it, yeah. it, it suggests that you ought to do this, but it's okay. not really mechanically integrated into the game. Yeah. So on the back of the character sheet, there's like, a, you know, a place I think to list your people that are important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some iterations of Call of Cthulhu, like Delta Green, that, that make your loved ones uh, resources upon which you can draw. Yeah. And like in Delta Green, it's a kind of grim, it's a deliberately grim setup where you can exhaust NPC, relate your relationships with NPCs to give you advantages to kind of reflect that you are whatever, you're skipping all of your kids' sporting events because you're out murdering cultists. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, that's part of that game's theme. So there are... You know, there are games that do that um, explicitly, but mm-hmm. I, was, I wanted to say, you know, in reaction, I think you hit on something insightful there that the kind of everyday relationships with our families and loved ones, it's it feels like kind of part of a more realistic world. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, there is that balance with D&D. If you start thinking too much about the like realistic day to day, where do they get their food? Yes. Who, you know, who's cleaning the diapers of the baby? that sort of thing the whole structure feels sometimes like it starts to teeter you know Mm -hmm. so so unless that's explicitly you know let's explore what you know domestic everyday routine life would look like in the setting if unless that is explicitly your your goal that can kind of pull you away from maybe why you're playing D&D in the first place which is Mm -hmm. that yeah, I mean, I don't change the diapers and I don't really worry about how this town up in the mountains of chaos possibly feeds itself because there's no trade <laughs> roads or anything like that. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, I wonder, I mean, like now I'm just like, I, now I want to run a game where <laughs> there is some sort of external force, like the, the partner of one of the players, one of the characters is like, you need to be here for dinner. Mm. So, you can go adventure all you want during the week, but like Sunday... Sunday we sit down, like we go to, yeah, we go to temple and then we, you know, sit down for a meal. I mean, imagine the the sort of pressure. It's like, yes, I want to save the world, but I also want to save my marriage. So like, we need to, we need to do yes. both things. We need to be able to, to get back in time, in time for that. I think that could add a lot of like fun tension to the game. And then also like a uh, stress relief too. Like, like what if you only awarded um, XP when you got to like sit down for the meal? Something like yeah. that. You could make, you could add some sort of mechanical like reason for it too right like yeah you only you only got like your sort of your next adventure every time that you you stopped for a minute to go go be with your family <laughs> your family back home yeah i really like that i think the challenge would be avoiding it uh feeling like a not fun penalty for having fun with the mm-hmm. game if that makes sense yeah so like it would have to be something where it would be equally enjoyable in a game sense to go back for your brother's wedding instead of going into the dungeons of chaos yeah, or to choose to go into the dungeons of chaos, like where it would be, the decision might be hard, but you would know that it was going to be fun. And you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. So otherwise you wind up with something, you know, like a, our much complained about, you know, encumbrance, encumbrance systems, <laughs> yeah. which are there to kind of remind you about an element of the game that we all feel ought to be important, mm-hmm. but often isn't, really implemented in a way that feels like it's a fun part of the game, you know? It's an, an, an emotional encumbrance system. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if, if forever, if you, when you identified your kind of NPCs or your bonds or, or your loved ones, if you gave them goals or agendas of some sort, 
if you identified something that each of your siblings wanted or each of your loved ones wanted or was trying to do. And then just the GM would, I don't know, advance the agenda every now and then in the way. There's quite a few games that do this, but like the Blades in the Dark games, have you identify Mm -hmm. the factions in the world and those factions kind of advance towards or away from their goals as Mm -hmm. it goes on. And sometimes what the PCs do affects how those factions do or don't advance towards those goals. So Hmm. there's some, a lot of stuff missing there, but I wonder if giving in some kind of active momentum to your relationships would make it easier to make them feel interesting in the game. Yeah, I think you'd want to avoid it being like everybody in your your family just has a fetch quest for you that you need to satisfy. <laughs> like, right. like, well, little Johnny's going to be mad if I don't get them five, you know, werewolf pelts or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, those sorts of things. But I mean, I think there might also be something to that of like, you have sort of this larger mission of, yeah, like we must go, go fight, <laughs> fight God. But like, we also need to like, yeah, be back for dinner or, you know, get something in particular or like this, you know, this, this other relative of yours, like really just wants to go into a dungeon at some point in their life. And like, <laughs> you're a level 10, whoever, right? Like you yeah. level 10 fighter. Can you please just take them to the dungeon so they can shut up about <laughs> it? Like get it, kind of get it out of their system. That is, like, you just yeah. made a one shot, right? Yeah. There, right? right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like little yeah. nephew, Timmy, like wants to come into the dungeon. So you've yeah. picked out one that, you think is pretty safe and devoid of real danger, but of course it's not. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You swore you went in there and cleaned it out already, but for some reason <laughs> you stocked it with a few giant rats, but, uh, yeah. but after clearing out the lich and the vampire. Rat, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's definitely some fun you could have for it. It, it feels a little like side questy. Yeah, um, it does, I yeah. think, but that's okay. I mean, most of the time, those are the, the fun parts, fun parts about games anyway. Um, it's like, so computer RPGs do this, like the sort of the Bioware approach mm-hmm. is very much like this. And I can't say it always really works for me, but mm-hmm. they do treat them explicitly as side quests. You can like charge through and do the main quest, but you're supposed to be talking to all your crew members and they each have their own mm-hmm. thing. Uh, that's you know or in their own side quest and you go on the side quest related to you know crew member a and you learn about their backstory and you get a little bonus or something and then the relationship meter goes from eight to ten or whatever that that's always felt pretty artificial to me although i respect what they're trying to do and i'm Mm -hmm. maybe for some people that and i mean that would probably be an improvement on a DD game that never acknowledges that you have (laughs) loved ones or or companions in your life yeah, that's like it's like that's a complicated uh, line to tread. Of like, yeah, do you treat all of your your friendships like they are a series of inputs of correct and incorrect <laughs> actions? Right, or... yeah. It it does occur to me that uh, you know a flashback mechanic, a, a mechanic where you're encouraged to to gain some insight or even a mechanical advantage by reflecting on an experience with a loved one or NPC might be a non over the top way to get you talking about it. Oh, this Mm. I'm going to get a plus two to climbing because when I was younger, my brother used to take me out to the Hills behind town. And you know, the 32nd anecdote flushes out a little bit, your relationship 
but lets you keep moving without doing a side quest for your brother who needs you to climb a mountain. I think there's there's probably a, a lot you could do that way. I, I also just thought about like what if you were what if you really were given a list of like of groceries to pick up <laughs> while you're while you're out on your adventure, right? Or like things to pick up, like right? Because it's like it's important, right? You're, you're going to Waterdeep. We don't go to Waterdeep except for you know once every every two years or something like that, please make sure that you bring back, you know, this, that, or the other. Yeah. Right? You could even like, that'd be a great prop to have at the table too, like write out the the list of stuff and then people can kind of collect things as they're going about their adventure. Oh, that you know, does sound delightful. Yeah. For a certain sort a of real, player, they would love It's a real that. thing too, you know, yeah. and you go to a town, hey, you know, a non-zero part of your brain is circling around the problem of what am I going to get my kid, you know, what, yeah. what, what souvenir am I going to bring back for my kids? And, the excitement of finding just the right one. Um, oh yeah. Years ago, my wife and I, well, we lived in Grand Rapids. Um, we were, you know, dating at the time, but coming out to Ann Arbor where we live now, like they had a Trader Joe's, right? So like every time you'd come to Ann Arbor <laughs> for some sort of other thing, you would go to Trader Joe's to stock <laughs> right. up on all the miscellaneous things that you just couldn't get in Grand Rapids at the time. I think, I think things have improved for Grand Rapids. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we have a Trader Joe's. So, yes, but, yes. yes. But you know, stuff like that, like is, that is a real world thing that I think you could bring in pretty easily. And like, again, yeah, for the right player, they're going to grab onto that and be like, we need to make sure that we get, get everything on the list. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Whereas everybody else will just ignore it. Yeah, so I mean, I think we we sort of ended up talking about like errands most of the time, but <laughs> yeah. maybe that's where our headspace is at. But I think there's, yeah, there's lots of ways to incorporate families and loved ones into your games. And I think the conclusion here is maybe like, do try it. It's worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every time. Yeah, at least every time that I've tried to do it, it's like, oh, this is great. This adds a, like some sort of nuance to the players, um, the player's understanding of their characters. Oh, I could close with a quick anecdote of mm-hmm. how this is going in my Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah, please. I guess very, very mild spoilers for the Cthulhu campaign masks of Nyarlathotep. So skip forward like 60 seconds if you yeah. really don't want to hear spoilers. But that campaign kicks off with that stereotype scenario we discussed at the very beginning of this conversation. You are really good friends with this NPC and now, and they've been murdered. So you're trying to solve their murder and avenge them is going to form the basis for this campaign. You know, that's great. But a regular critique of the campaign is, this hook doesn't work if you're learning about your deep friendship with this NPC in the same paragraph that you're learning about their murder. <laughs> so every so everyone online says, you know, spend some time, have them do some adventures, have the players do adventures with this NPC for a while and then kill them and start the campaign. And so I've been doing that and it's worked and the players really like the NPC and uh, they don't want him to die, to die. Oh, and, no. so, <laughs> and so we're close to where you know I was planning to have him killed off screen uh, to kick off a larger plot and suddenly I'm I mean one of my players said to me that you know he better not get killed uh, <laughs> in, the, in a recent session so now I guess I've gotten what I wished for but it was sort of a monkey's paw thing because uh, yes. now I'm thinking like oh is there a way I can like just horribly maim him or something, but he doesn't die. Like, uh, you know, like, does that? You're gonna have to give that NPC an, another NPC for <laughs> to go right. off. Like, yeah. But I will say, you know, that took seven game sessions to achieve. It's not practical uh, for every NPC or loved one. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we've been going for a while, so we need to wrap up. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was that was a fun conversation. I'm glad that we we got to do that. In addition to talking about my my GM woes at the beginning there. Yeah. So Roll for Topic is part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Our sister show, The Splat Book, um, with John Corey and Kyle Latino, is great, and you should go listen to it. 
um, they just had an episode posted about uh, doing silly voices at the table um, <laughs> that I'm just a little bit into, uh, which I think is great. Like that is a, it's a fascinating topic to think about for me, at least about the times where I choose to do a voice and the times that I choose not to do a voice. Yep. And I've not narrowed that down personally inside of myself of like when, <laughs> when I choose to do those. Yeah, so that's good. I'm I'm really looking forward to to finishing that episode when I get a chance. Um, yeah, so you can go listen to them at thesplatbook.com, whatever you want. Um, you can find other uh, episodes of this podcast at gmdiscussions.com as well. I don't think I've ever actually said that on the podcast, so the the website. But <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I think that is about it. Uh, so Andy, unless you have anything else, we can sign off. I think we're good to go. Well, all right. Well, I've been Chris Alsman. I've been Andy Rao. Remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM. Mm-hmm.